Welcome to episode 26 of the Mountainland Running Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Heiderscheidt from the University of Wisconsin Sports Medicine, and here with my co-host, Mountainland Physical Therapist, Mark Anderson. Mark, it's been such a long time since I've seen you. <laughs> yeah, this last weekend was awesome at the summit. It was, it was fun to hang out with you. It's fun to hang out with everybody, but you're right. It's just been a couple days. Yeah, it's been really good. I'm glad we were able to reconnect afterwards. It's almost, it's almost like uh, you know we had such a good time at the running summit. And a lot of good topics that were discussed. Uh, it's nice to get right back into it with a follow-up podcast. Agreed. Agreed. That was a great summit. I think it was a good mix of PTs and MDs and trainers. I mean, it, the topics were great as well. It was fun to meet all those uh, great people and just have such variety. I, I had a great time. Yeah, no, myself as well. I was, I was really uh, pretty impressed with was how much the audience was involved in the discussions. There was ongoing questions. I mean, it was it was packed through. Uh, it really, it was, it was a very good time, definitely. I agree. That was fun. All right. So we are on to our guest for today. We are very pleased and honored to be joined today by Dr. Andrew Shannon. Dr. Shannon is a professor of obstetrics at King's College London, based at St. Thomas Hospital, and is clinical director of South London Clinical Research Network. He sits on the UK Health Technology Assessment Commissioning Board. He specializes in clinical trials in antenatal and intrapartum care, and his research interests include interventions to predict and prevent preterm birth, preeclampsia, global health, and the use of blood pressure monitoring. He is a founder member of the Park Run Research Board and has published over 400 peer-reviewed research reports. That is staggering. <laughs> he has an active clinical role in managing high-risk obstetric patients, including a regular hands-on labor ward commitment and a specialist preterm birth surveillance clinic, uh, winning awards in 2013, 15, and 16 for Innovations Prize that accepts national and international referrals. He is the recipient of the International 2017 Newton Prize for Excellence in Research and Innovation in support of economic development and social welfare in low and middle income countries. In 2018, for services to maternity care, Dr. Shannon was awarded an OBE, an officer of the most excellent order of the British Empire, a Queen's honor given to an individual for major local role. With that, Dr. Shannon, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Wow, it's not interesting hearing your bio being read back to you. That's why I'm so old. <laughs> well, I know. Yeah. Once I know I got why I've got to... so, so gray in the mirror now. That's why. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Once I got to 400 peer reviews, I could just stop right there. That's impressive enough. But uh, certainly the other the other awards on there make it uh, uh, just a, a staggering accomplishments. Anyway, it's a great, great pleasure to join you guys, and I, I'm really pleased to be able to talk about this uh, passion of mine. Oh, fantastic. Well, Andy, I've had a chance to read one of your uh, papers recently, and that's what really wanted me to reach out to you and see if you'd be willing to come on our podcast. I think your your work, certainly in the uh, in the obstetric realm, and then now some of your recent papers that have connected it into running or studying this in running, I think makes it an absolute perfect for our audience and uh, and, uh, and uh, related to a topic that we are very much interested in. No, great, and I and I think it's uh, been a really uh, fun paper to do. Actually, I've really enjoyed this little bit of research, and I think it's going to have a, um, an important impact to a lot of uh, people. 
Uh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, what we found, we've had a couple of guests over the years related to running and pregnancy and postpartum care. Um, but it's, it's, I'm always uh, surprised by what seems to be a, a difference of opinion that persists. Um, so whether it's location driven or geographic driven or training, what the individuals uh, were brought up and under and how they were trained, um, there doesn't seem to be a real consistency to, to various recommendations that are given out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the driving forces for me looking into this um, was actually when my wife was pregnant, she wanted to run. And I had a sort of inherent nervousness about this, which in retrospect was completely stupid. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, she reminded me about this when, uh, when, when you know, my kids are growing up now. But um, And he said, well, you know, you felt like that. And I thought, well, if I felt like that with my knowledge as, as an obstetrician, you know, lots of people will have this worry about um, harming their unborn child, even if it's a bit irrational. And a lot of my friends were kind of almost um, vilified for, for running. People would look at them and say, you know, why are you harming your baby? And isn't that a selfish thing to do? So I really wanted to get to the bottom of it and, and look at what the real evidence was and get some evidence about um, the appropriateness of, of being able to do this fun stuff while you're pregnant. Oh, fantastic. That's exactly right. And I think I'm actually, I can relate to that same experience. And my, and when, when my wife was pregnant and she under, she received very similar uh, advice that was somewhat contradictory depending on who she saw. Um, and, and much the way you described it felt like uh, maybe she was being judged a certain way by her continuing to run during pregnancy by others. Uh, so absolutely, this is, uh, this is highly, highly relevant to a number of our listeners, certainly. Um, so maybe you can just start off just to get us all on the same page. What, would you, what, what are the currently accepted recommendations on running during pregnancy? Well, actually, there's there, there's quite a few um, organizations that make statements about exercise, but not specifically running. Um, and in fact, it's pretty much agreed now by, by many kind of um, high-level organizations, um, including the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, that r r exercise is good for you. And indeed, it's encouraged that you do a reasonable amount on a daily basis, so up to 30 minutes. Um, the only kind of advice is, is to avoid things that are clearly, uh, you know, dangerous like impact sports and things that could be harmful. Um, but people and most organizations around the world will encourage exercise during pregnancy. My interest in running was really that there are theoretical reasons why the impact nature of running um, might be different um, and I, I think it's generally recognized to be a bit more intensive than other exercise um, you know when done by the masses um, and, and so there isn't anything specific about running and not running in terms of the organizations they, they tend to concentrate on exercise which is definitely thought to be a good thing and the reason why exercise is thought to be good is it, it limits weight gain during pregnancy which is linked to certain diseases like diabetes and blood pressure issues um, but also perhaps more importantly to how your baby develops and then lifelong health for your baby so um, there are lots of theoretical reasons why being fit and having good metabolism and a good weight while you're pregnant has got considerable health benefits in the long term. 
Absolutely. So are there, are there certain recommendations? Because ones that I've heard over the years, um, uh, people have provided advice, again, whether it's running or exercise in general, that have tried to set a ceiling for heart rate, or they've gone to body temperature, or they've gone to RPE, you know, because some sort of rating of perceived exertion. Are there any general guidelines that use those metrics? Yes, I mean, there are individual studies that have come up with certain um, statements, but to be honest, they are the the hard evidence that they actually are meaningful because people just don't do the big enough trials with the outcomes that you can measure in a, in a study. And so they tend to be consensus statements and based on, you know, physiological concerns rather than hard evidence of, of outcomes that matter to, to us or to, or to the women. Um, so when people do make statements, for example, that the data on, you know, not having your heart above, you know, 90% um, is based on a few elite athletes and on physiological variables. <laughs> and it's not that meaningful. Um, and I think my, one of my goals was really to look at large numbers to get a meaningful sample size with robust endpoints that matter. Um, and on, on large numbers of people who do fun recreational running, which is what we all love to do, rather than it being isolated to these, you know, small numbers of elite athletes. I think the business you mentioned about the temperatures, um, you know, there are there are known problems with fetal development in if you have sustained high temperature during those crucial developmental weeks in the first few weeks of pregnancy. So we do advise people not to have high temperatures. So, for example, long distance runners who will will have high temperatures, um, that's probably not a good thing at that sort of critical six to nine weeks of pregnancy. But other than that, I think um, there's very little hard evidence that it matters. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, so another one that I've heard is is that it's okay for you to exercise, but you just don't want to do anything new that you otherwise hadn't done before you were pregnant. Is that is there any sort of merit to that? So again, again, uh, that comes down to consensus statements and yeah. people thinking logically. I mean, I think you know, again, physiologically, when you're pregnant, you've got to remember that the body does change radically. Your your, your cardiovascular outputs are go up 40% and your body will change considerably due to the hormonal effects. So I think there is some pragmatism in saying, you know, don't go out and start doing a whole bunch of new exercise in the same way as you wouldn't start intense exercise, you know, straight off without sort of a gradual buildup. Um, but hard evidence that it's good, bad or indifferent is neither here nor there. I think I think it's just pragmatic um, statements made uh, by people trying to give some sensible advice. Uh, Andy, Andy, you mentioned something about the exercise could improve the baby's development. Was that specific to running or is that exercise in general? Uh, can you touch on that? Yeah, so I, I think that the the long-term health benefits on a child um, are related to your um, growth in utero. So, so we know that the sort of metabolic syndrome related to things like being overweight, adiposity, um, can translate into longer term, you know, programming of of your cardiovascular system, so that as you, when you are older, um, you you are at risk of central body obesity and these other issues, and therefore higher risk of cardiovascular events and diabetes and so on. So, so there is this link to your health in your in during pregnancy and these longer term um, problems. And therefore, people are very keen on saying, well, how can we alter the health in pregnancy that will benefit lifelong health? Um, so, so it's not that um, linked to specific you know, trials of running and exercise improving outcomes. But I think 
people who are overweight and unfit have higher risks of these issues that translate into the health of their children and, and then their children as they become adults. Um, so, so this sort of so-called Barker hypothesis we know is linked. If you are underweight and, and um, don't do well in utero, you will have lifelong health problems related to that. And it's a very exciting area to try and improve health in pregnancy to give lifelong health to the children. That's fascinating. Yeah, definitely. So obviously, you've, you've, you're very accomplished in the research world, uh, both through your your publications and obviously the impact of, the, of your work. Uh, can you just maybe provide our listeners with a bit of overview of your research background and then ultimately what led you toward this particular paper we're going to talk about today? Yeah, sure. Well, actually, I, I got a, a wide interest in things. Um, my, my interest in pregnancy has concentrated on things related to early birth and to, you know, um, health in pregnancy and global health and so on. So quite a varied um, interest in general in high-risk obstetrics and in pregnancy. Um, I, I've always been a, a keen um, athlete myself and I've enjoyed running um, and I I've become um, a sort of real advocate of the parkrun movement. Um, I know Paul very well and, and I've kind of helped set up their research board and so on. Um, so the parkrun movement, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with it, but it's now got um, 1.7 million members and we all go out running every Saturday morning for 5K. This is where the recreational running side of it um, started um, and there's like over 500 events happen every week so I saw oh. this as, as a fantastic opportunity to to do some you know worthwhile research um, and because of that design of, of being able to access well-motivated people very rapidly in a cross-sectional basis we had able to get some fantastic data in an incredibly short time um, and that's actually moved on to some more and more you know exciting areas which we can look further at. Um, so my sort of weekly run and my friends telling me they were being um, criticized for running when pregnant and so on really, really got me into this. Um, and um, I, we, we set up this uh, survey in effect of a sort of cohort retrospective study. Um, but that was that sort of design, which is generally deemed to be a weak design in, in research, was completely swamped by the response and by the numbers involved. Um, so I think we ended up getting some really good data to, to look at um, um, this problem of, you know, is it good or bad for you to, to go out running when you're pregnant? Absolutely. And, if, and for our, our listeners, I just want to uh, key them into what paper we're going to be talking about today. Again, this is Dr. Shannon's work and his colleagues, and it's entitled, Is Recreational Running Associated with Early Delivery, Earlier Delivery and Lower Birth Weight in Women Who Continue to Run During Pregnancy? An International Retrospective Cohort Study of Running Habits of 1,293 Female Runners During Pregnancy. Now, the nice thing about this article is it's open access uh, through BMJ Open Sport and Exercise Medicine Journal, uh, and it was published in 2018. So, again, if you jump on PubMed uh, and and uh, identify Dr. Shannon's name, uh, spelled S-H-E-N-N-A-N, uh, you should be able to identify this article and download it for your own reading. Um, so with that, maybe we can dig a little bit more into how the study was done. You mentioned already that it utilized Park Run, and, and actually, frankly... I uh, uh, was not familiar with that, uh, but what an impressive number of individuals. Yeah, I think you list somewhere between 1.2 and 1.3 million runners that are involved in these uh, these events. That's a staggering number. Um, we have similar 
types of events, you know, or groups at, uh, through the U.S., but nothing that I've, I've necessarily linked with Park Run in particular. Uh, although, again, I, that they may easily be happening. I'm just not aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Park Run, I mean, Park Run was set up by um, uh, in a, my local park, actually. And mm-hmm. I, uh, 13 years ago, we literally a dozen people did time trials once a week, um, and it rapidly escalated. Um, so now at Bushy Park, which is my local park run, there are 1,200 runners, 9 o'clock every Saturday morning, turn up. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, That's with, impressive. With their barcode. And the other thing is I do a lot of international work, um, guys, and I, I take my barcode anywhere in the world, and there is a park run, I can turn up with the same barcode and get registered on the system. So I've done well over 200 now. So wow. when I was in San Francisco last month, I can turn up to park run in San Francisco. When I went to Victoria up in Canada, I turned up to Victoria park run. And when I go out to South Africa and to Brisbane, there's a park run. So it's my, my weekly exercise doesn't have to um, stop just because um, I'm traveling. So, so it's a real phenomenon. And, you know, there are people at park run last week who ran the 5k in um, under 15 minutes. And there are others who are running in over an hour and they're all there together having fun. It's phenomenal. That sounds like a phenomenal, exactly a great event. I mean, not only from the exercise standpoint, but just for that social interaction and, and like you say, being able to jump into it from from any location that you may be visiting. Yeah. So anyway, because of that um, database and because of the um, research board there, um, we were able to send out a newsletter and a um, survey. Um, and essentially access information very rapidly in, in, a, in a few months um, from a lot of uh, women. So we, we had 15,000 respondents and we got um, comprehensive data on these 1,293 uh, women who had um, run when or were running when they fell pregnant. And we divide them very nicely into um, those who stopped running. And therefore, they were all runners, but um, about 45% stopped running, 55% continued, and they nicely were divided into those who stopped soon and those that went right the way through to the end of pregnancy. So we were able to stratify by intensity, um, and we were able to stratify by length of pregnancy. And we, we powered it on a certain number, but there were so many respondents. We had sufficient power in every subdivision as well to prove our point, whether the birth weight was affected or whether they um, labored early. So, so it, a, a huge um, sort of thanks to the women involved in Parkrun for their enthusiasm and their response. And I think we were able to do the biggest ever study in a few weeks, which, which I was really pleased about. Um, and because women remember their birth weight, a baby's birth weight, and because they remember, um, you know, the day they went into labor, it was very reliable data. Normally, this data gets criticized for being retrospective and recall, but actually, we know from obstetrics that this is data that's solid because of those recall um, issues. And if anyone couldn't recall it, they weren't included. So we're, we're happy with the um, quality of the data, and it was a really um, nice project to be able to do so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, like as you mentioned, with those numbers you're talking about, being able to capture that in a few weeks' time is is very, very impressive. So can you maybe walk us through a little bit of some of your key findings in it and uh, f- from this particular study? 
Yeah, so our primary endpoints, and I, I think for those of you who don't aren't familiar with trials, one key thing about any study is you have to set a research question and you have to have one or two really important things you want to prove before you look at the data and cheat to pick, you know, get the results you want. So, so we really set out to do two things. One, did women labor early? Because we were really worried about the the, the forces when you hit the ground when running sets up quite a contra-coup force within the uterus and the baby's head literally will push on the cervix and the neck of the womb and and you know these physical attributes could potentially precipitate earlier labor and obviously there's a range of, of preterm labor in all populations and could this make it worse um, and the other thing was the flow to the, the placenta the afterbirth is um, very sensitive to exercise. It doesn't have the sort of changes in blood flow that you have to the rest of your body. So it doesn't have those sort of physical um, attributes of control. Therefore, any change in blood flow while exercising is directly, um, you know, uh, directly affects the placenta and I, you could draw blood away from the placenta. So the, these were real concerns for us. Um, and we wanted to know whether there were good, good effects as well. So essentially, the two things we wanted to prove was, did you labor early? Did it affect your birth weight? And your birth weight is very dependent on lots of things like the, the, if the boy, the baby's male or female, whether you're different ethnicities, your weight, your size, and so on. So we actually controlled for all that, and we have what we call a birth weight centile, which means this is what we'd expect your your baby to be, depending on your background and your ethnicity, and so on and so forth. And we looked at that, so that was crucial. We looked at the centile, which means this is what you should have been, this is what you were. And actually, we found it didn't matter when you stopped running or how much you ran. Um, your birth weight centile was not affected. You were just as likely to have as big a baby if you ran excessively right the way to the end of pregnancy than if you gave up. Um, and that was really um, an exciting thing to show. Um, and I think the other thing is you didn't labor early. So there were obviously people who had miscarriages and early births, but they were no different whether you ran or ran a lot or ran a little. Um, and that was terribly reassuring. So the, so the main endpoints to the study, we showed that it was perfectly safe from in uh, terms of when you labor and how your placenta works, which are our two primary hypotheses. We looked at some other things as well. Um, the one thing we did find, which was a secondary outcome, so you can't put so much weight on it, but it was significant, was the chance of the woman needing assistance in labor was slightly higher um, if she ran a lot. And this sort of had some theoretical um, sort of plausible mechanism in that people who run a lot will have pretty tight pelvic floors from good exercise. Um, and I think any obstetrician will tell you that, you know, some, some, some women will uh, um, have more difficulty in, in pushing the baby out through that tough pelvic floor. This obviously goes against the grain. People don't like to hear this, but, but we reckon that, um, you know, maybe a 30% increased risk of that, but, but I don't think that was a bad thing in terms of the type of assisted delivery you might need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are all phenomenal outcomes in terms of what's been shown so far. And now we have obviously very large numbers from your study to be able to really support this sort of an approach. Now, you may you make mention in your in your uh, paper, obviously, the need uh, for some sort of a, a prospective analysis, given that this is was a survey based retrospective design. Um, is this something that you're thinking about trying to do? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the problem is, is, you know, as a clinical trialist, yeah. Um, I I would, you know, my eyes water to get these sort of numbers and, you know, asking people to um, 
run and not run in a prospective way when they do or don't want to will be really challenging. Mm -hmm. um, we would have to get hundreds and hundreds of women to do this to 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 show the same results again. Um, so I'm going to leave it for the youngsters. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well said, exactly. exactly. Um, but, you know, ha having said that, I think there are some fascinating that what we learned from this is how enthusiastic and responsive our part run community is. And um, one of the really exciting things is that we think there are a huge number of important medical questions that we could answer from this 1.7 million well-motivated runners. Um, and so, yes, there are, there are lots of other questions. I've been asked about the early miscarriage story, which is a very big problem for women. Um, and um, I think we could certainly do a design that's similar to look at whether that is influenced by exercise and by excessive exercise. I think perhaps more importantly, well, not more importantly for the women, but I think a really important research question here is this whole business, as you guys will know about cardiovascular uh, benefits of exercise and running, and also the perhaps running specifically, the issues around injuries and around knee problems and hip mm -hmm. problems, and the whole debate about running and whether whether it's you know good or bad in the long term for these issues i i think we could design some really exciting work with these huge numbers of people about the the, the benefits and risks um of running with, with those outcomes yeah most certainly and you're right i mean to date you know most of that type of, of studies that have been done in in the musculoskeletal area, looking at a lot of the common running injuries are, are very small in design, you know, case control design or maybe prospective, but because of that very small numbers, um, I think like you mentioned, if you have these sorts of large numbers, you know, cause becomes a little bit of a challenge, but you could still design it in such a way where you've got some pretty good confidence in your outcomes. Yeah. And so, Andy, also with your with the test, the the study. What about prior births? Were all those that you had that participated was it their first time they've had a child, or what about? Did you were able to weed those out that had multiple children? Well, the design by on purpose was to just look at their first pregnancies. The reason being um, that a lot of problems we were interested in tend to be related to first pregnancies. So there are a lot of diseases in pregnancy, like baby not growing, like high blood pressure problems, which are principally a first pregnancy problem. Um, and we also wanted to exclude the effect of prior pregnancies because they obviously do influence future pregnancies. So just purely for a design point of view and a control point of view, we analyze first pregnancies. Actually, for the outcomes we're interested in, having had a prior pregnancy is very protective. So, so <laughs> funnily enough, if you've had a baby, the chance of you having an early one halves. Um, so even though your kind of neck of the womb's opened up and your baby's come out, people sort of feel that somehow that might mean everything's weaker and more likely to kind of have an early baby. That's not the case. It's actually proven that you can have a term baby and it tends not to happen again in terms of earlier problems. Um, so I don't know is the answer whether, whether if you've had babies before, whether the running effect is different. I think it's, it's a interesting question. Uh, but to be honest, people who've had babies before successfully, that's a very good protective measure. And it wouldn't worry me about, um, you know, generalizing our results to them as well. Okay. Now, you, Andy, you also mentioned or related to your study that uh, certain women 
chose to stop running, whether it was the first, second, or third trimester. Um, I don't know. Did you did you query them at all as to find out why they might have chosen to to stop running? No. So so obviously for um, research purposes, we had to have predefined questions and things that were very categorical. So we got some meaningful analysis, but there was a free, um, you know, free for all box, um, which was fascinating. I mean, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you know, a huge amount of passion and lots of comments that came out of that. And I could talk for hours about what was said in those boxes. Um, so I can't give you any sort of, um, statistical analysis on these sort Mm -hmm. of responses. Um, but, but, you know, I'll get, I'll give you an example. So within the design, we obviously had to have, uh, categories that would give us a meaningful analysis. And so we, we lumped for, um, going for over 12 kilometers a week as our sort of most intensive category. Um, and obviously going towards the end of pregnancy after 28 weeks as our most sort of extensive gestation in pregnancy. But within that cohort, there were some really serious runners that mm-hmm. would you know, I would get calls from people saying, you know, I've cut down to half a marathon a day. Is that all right? You know, um, <laughs> or, you know, I had a woman, one woman who ran a marathon the day before she gave birth at 39 weeks of pregnancy, you know, and um, they seem to be all OK. And it, although it's anecdotal, it's not that anecdotal. We had over mm-hmm. 200 women in our most intensive categories and, and a fair proportion of those were fairly serious athletes that, um, we're having fun and doing a huge amount of exercise without adverse effects. So, um, you, you know, that that those sort of qualitative um, answers were, were really interesting. Um, and I think it gave license to say, well, you, you could do virtually anything you really wanted to without too much worry. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, obviously, this is, was great data with respect to the health of the baby and the infant, and and uh, um, and any immediate concerns to the mom, to the mother. Have you had you have interest in, or are you starting to look at all in terms of like the um, the potential role running might have uh, on the, the women's musculoskeletal health, either during pregnancy or after pregnancy? Yes, I mean, you know, we we are certainly very keen as as um, obstetricians who deal with problem pregnancies to to enhance um, exercise and well-being in people who have problem pregnancies. I'll give you an example. There's a condition called preeclampsia, which is a lot of people will have heard of, which is high blood pressure in pregnancy. We now know that that itself is a risk factor for longer term cardiovascular morbidity and and events. And so therefore, in that particular group, which represents, you know, a a huge number of women, sort of about 10 percent of women will get high blood pressure in pregnancy and about 5 percent will get preeclampsia. We are really keen that they take on this sort of health message that this is an important um, phenomenon and in a way the pregnancy has revealed it to them which is an opportunistic thing but for them to look after themselves so that we want them to get back to pre-pregnancy weights quickly um, we want them to stay fit and healthy and to look after themselves so on that level we we do think that exercise and getting back to um, you know pre pre-pregnancy regimes especially when they have a babies to look after is a is a really good goal your particular question about you know musculature, musculoskeletal issues and so on. Obviously in pregnancy, the hormones themselves are designed to get you ready for having a baby. You know, progesterone is a hormone which affects ligaments. We all know that 
the ligaments get soft and lax and people do get various you know pelvic disorders and so on related to this so yeah. so so i think if you are taking up exercise in pregnancy for the first time i think you need to be aware your body's different your posture will be different because of the way you're holding the baby and and all good physios will tell you that a slight change in posture is, is going to have a big impact on on your joints um so you have to look after yourself but there's not a reason not to do it and it's certainly not a reason not to continue accustomed exercise um and just be aware that your body's different and and you have the potential to strain yourself because of this added added laxity and of your ligaments and your your change in posture etc so i don't know if that answers your question but i think it's just something to be sensible about no i think that was very good and and related to this because this is a question i think we deal with quite a bit as physios is you know when when is it safe to go back to running after pregnancy and again i'm not referring to structurally safe in terms of the immediate effects of childbirth on the mother but are there are there is there a timeline at which it is safe to resume that sort of impactful uh type of activity it does the has the the uh the abdominal wall uh, does it have adequate strength and does it return to its original uh, shape to be able to function the way it needs to to handle running pelvic floor control, that sort of a, of, of issues that many times come up. Are there general recommendations or, or um, uh, screening metrics that you utilize in order to establish that? Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think the simple answer is that physiologically, the body returns very rapidly to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it is quite amazing how the womb, for example, goes back to this you know small egg-shaped structure almost within days after delivery. It's a, it's a phenomenal thing. And the rest of your body, the cardiovascular changes, the changes, say, for example, if you have diabetes in pregnancy, it just goes away within hours. Um, and all the physiological changes are, are rapidly reversed. Now, because we know that exercise is safe in pregnancy, it is perfectly okay to say, you're not going to do yourself any harm by continuing or getting back to exercise reasonably rapidly. I think there are practical issues with how you've delivered, whether you've had cesareans, um, your baby that you need to look after, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, but actually, um, if, if you want to go out and uh, and exercise, you're absolutely fine. I remember the day after my child was born, I was a very disorganized doctor and my wife was also working um, baby was born and we had bought nothing at 38 weeks so we <laughs> we, we jumped on the bicycles and cycled off and i remember the midwives who lived around the corner for us word got around the whole hospital and said oh they're out cycling the day afterwards isn't that fantastic and i think they were more sort of worried about my wife's pelvic floor and was very <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah but actually you know absolutely no reason not to get back to it straight away you you're unlikely to do yourself any harm but like with any exercise if you're untrained and been out of it um you do need a little bit of time to tone up um and and get back to your you know cardiovascular fitness and i i I think it isn't um inappropriate to say listen to your body and take it easy but you can't really harm yourself pelvic floor takes a knock in pregnancy people will have some incontinent issues if they're breastfeeding, the hormones will influence the suppleness of the tissues, so it'll take a bit longer to get back to normal. Um, but you just need to be aware of those things rather than worry about them. And I would encourage people to get back to their exercise as quickly as possible. We're very keen on people exercising their pelvic floor to recover from you know, incontinent issues and other issues that women will know about following childbirth um so, so absolutely every reason to 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 work at getting back in the nice steady fashion 
Yeah, that's great. And I agree with you in terms of having that being that, that steady fashion. You know, many times I think there's that eagerness from those who are who uh, who ran quite quite often and intense either during pregnancy or before pregnancy to to potentially push it a little bit uh, too soon it was is kind of an analogy that we hear that uh, occasionally that you know many times they may be advised by their their OBs to wait until six weeks until their six week follow-up exam and then begin some sort of a return pro, uh, program to running um, that there's concern that some individuals may return to a more intense level of exercise than maybe they otherwise should. Uh, within those initial weeks post uh, post childbirth, um, so if occasionally people have been told to try to slow things down, and I think it, that may actually um, people may take that too too aggressive the other direction, in which case they avoid some level of activity for too long. Yes, and again, I, the problem is is they're always extremes. I think the, yeah. the people who are really intensive, you've got you've got to tone down a bit, otherwise they're going to do themselves some injuries just from unaccustomed exercise. But equally, you don't want people to just do nothing for six weeks because that that is the you know bad length of time for deteriorating and 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 you know losing fitness and um, you know so on and so forth. Yeah, definitely. So related to this particular paper, or, or maybe maybe more related to subsequent papers, what what's the new and exciting work you've got coming down the line related to running and and pregnancy? Okay, well, well, I mean, I think I think the next thing for me will perhaps look at the miscarriage story. I mean, this mm-hmm. is something you know uh, for your listeners who aren't familiar with this. This is a real taboo subject, and you know, something like a, a, a quarter to a third of all pregnancies are lost in miscarriage. Um, and people are very concerned about, you know, every little thing they've done that was related to this miscarriage gets the blame. Um, we we would like to to kick that taboo to touch that, you know, it's okay to continue exercising. And then the fact that you went for a run before your miscarriage is probably unrelated. And it'd be good to get some hard evidence around that, um, which I'm sure is the case. Um, I think the most Certainly, with the parkrun community, I would be really keen on accessing that their that knowledge for for more widespread issues, um, as I mentioned earlier, around the cardiovascular and orthopedic um, interventions um, with osteoarthritis and with long-term cardiovascular morbidities. I mean, I think it's a really huge opportunity, and I th- I think recreational running, to me, is one of those things that could have a, a really big impact on a lot of these diseases that are creeping into our societies at the moment. Absolutely. And we will certainly keep an eye out for your future work. So we, we've covered a variety of fantastic topics today. I just wanted to give you a chance to maybe reinforce a, a key takeaway take message you'd like to give our listeners. Well, certainly from a pregnancy point of view, I, I would encourage any pregnant woman to um, stay fit, look after herself and not worry about um, exercise. I think I think the humankind pregnancy is viewed as being a very precious and um, potentially um, sensitive time to your body and to your baby. The reality is, is that staying fit and, um, you know, carrying on doing a custom exercise is likely to be beneficial to you and your baby. Certainly no evidence that it's harmful. Um, and I really would say, you know, d- d- listen to your body, don't overdo things, but um, absolutely stick with it and enjoy it. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you very much, Andy, for joining us today. 
No, and thank you. It's been a great pleasure. Keep keep up your uh, good work. Look forward to listening to the podcast. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate that. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. On behalf of my co-host, Mark Anderson, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. And as a reminder, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Keep an eye out for future announcements regarding the 2019 Mount Land Running Summit. We just ended 2018, but we're already planning next year's uh, uh, fantastic event. As always, you can find more information on all of the running medicine resources offered by Mountland Physical Therapy at mlrehab.com slash run. We'll see you next time. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Exercises that are safe and appropriate for some people may not be for you. No treatment program should be undertaken without first consulting your physical therapist or physician. The contents of this podcast is protected under United States copyright laws and may not be reproduced, redistributed, transmitted, displayed, published, or broadcast without prior written permission of Mountainland Physical Therapy.